This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to a special edition iFanboy podcast on Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1. There's a man going around taking names, and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. 
Hello, welcome to a special edition iFanboy podcast on Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1. My name is Connor Kilpatrick and I am here with the iFanboy Animated Bridge Trust, Chris Neesman. Hey there, everyone. Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Ryan Hopp. When do we get like badges that say Animation Brain Trust iFanboy on that we can wear to like that. cons You didn't get your badge? We no. We what sent it to um, North Carolina. Where have you been lately? <laughs> I was in North Carolina, but that was a, that was a couple of months ago. I'm I'm in Wyoming now. Just throw it into the air, and if you can get it to seventy two thousand or seventy two hundred feet, you'll hit me. Wonderful, nice. yeah. Or at least a I I watched fifteen movies and did podcasts, and all I got was this crummy t shirt t shirts. It should be one of those things where we we every time we watch a movie we get we get a punch, and then when the when the card is full we get a free donut. There you Ooh. go. <laughs> we are here to discuss the latest in the bat. It's now called the DC Universe animated movies. They they changed the name of the. Uh, production it used to be the dc universe animated original movies now it's just the dc universe it's bruce tim and the gang it's bruce tim and we're talking about the 15th film in their series and this is the one that i think was the most shocking when it was announced i remember seeing the announcement when we were in san diego comic-con and, and not believing it uh but it's but it's true it's batman the dark knight returns. who cares about dark knight returns i mean it's <laughs> it's, it's a relic who cares only about? one of the most seminal batman stories of all time Probably mm, the most some of the stories of all time. The I most think. influential Batman story of all time, and my all-time personal favorite Batman story. One I probably really. It's your favorite. Oh yeah, I probably read it two or three hundred times. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a giant Batman's Dark Knight Returns poster in my bedroom. Although it probably wasn't giant, I just probably was. I was tiny, and uh, <laughs> it was my it was my favorite story. For years, I would read it five or six times a year. Well, I think that's a good place to start. Is we should probably go around the table. I live in Wyoming, and there are lots of people with big engines. It's the Formula One, I thought you were playing the start of the movie. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I wasn't. But I was going to say we should go around the table and say when we last read Dark Knight Returns, so we all know, and the listeners know what uh, what page we're on. I, I read in anticipation of the movie. I read the first half of the book over the weekend before seeing the film. I didn't finish it yet because. I just didn't have I didn't have time, but I read the the part that was in the movie. I read. Like, did you I, hit? The, did you nail it, or did you go a little bit past? Well, I, I figured you? that it was the middle. The middle part was the break. It was the easiest. I mean, that's the basically the break, break of the story is the middle. I read a little bit past the break, but yeah, the same thing this past weekend. I read it, and and before that, it had been a it had been a few years. Um, but uh, I wanted it fresher. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, a day or two, probably a couple of years since I read it, but kind of like uh, Connor, this is one that. Uh, the the age that I was growing, you know, when when this came out, you know, I was um, what was this eighty six? Yeah, I was I was thirteen, and this was I mean this was just about the biggest biggest news of the day was this Frank Miller Batman, and so you know you I bought it when it came out in the single the prestige format and read it probably every year if not you know two or three times a year until i was probably in my you know early 30s i was two years old when this came out <laughs> thank you paul just Asshole. you're welcome so this no this so this is like embroidered on your your nerd dna for mm. for you guys yeah yeah, oh, yeah. like when they extracted it be in a, as a listen Nerd, and I was only I was only ten, so I was pr- I was probably too young to be reading. And I, I first read it not in the issues, uh, Chris. I actually probably didn't read it whenever the trade came out. So mm-hmm. probably a couple of years later, it's probably eleven or twelve. I read it first in, in the in the soft cover collection, which I still own the original one I had. 
which is probably one of the first times that that DC had actually collected something. You know, I don't know that for sure, but it's an early, it's certainly know, an early collection. Yeah, you know, Watchmen. I remember the, some of the very first, you know, quote unquote trades. You didn't call them trades at the time, but yeah, uh, uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, Dark Knight Returns. You know, Watchmen were some of the first things that you could ever buy collected that I remember. And uh, and then I read. Then I've, I've since then I own a hardcover. I own a uh, the absolute edition. I, if it comes out, I buy it. Um, and what's interesting, Ryan? When did you, when did you read it last? Um, so I first read it. I didn't first read it until college, and then I haven't read it in a couple of years. Actually, I I don't even know where it is right now because I haven't unpacked all my boxes. <gasps> but I did. I realized while watching the the animated film that. <clears throat> My first exposure to this story was not actually the comic itself. It was the Batman animated series. And so I went back and watched that clip from the episode Legends of the Dark Knight after watching the movie. And that was that was my uh, contextualization for the discussion. And it's late in the series. Yeah, right? oh, yes. it is. I mean, that's not the that's not when it was on Fox. That's when it flipped over to uh, the WB, I believe. Yep. And uh, it, But correct. they do that little anthology episode. And um, someone linked to it, Jeff link to it the other day uh, on YouTube. In the comments so on your review. You can, yeah. Yeah, 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 so you can go check that out. What's like funny is when, when that first happened, that was, I mean, th- this was such the unheard of dream of adapting this story in any, any kind of format. So when that actually happened, for many people, that was, de- and for me included, that was deemed to be the only time we'd ever actually see The Dark Knight in any kind of uh, story form other than the page because mm-hmm. this, this we never could have predicted this line of, of movies. I never, I never would have thought they no. would have done this movie to begin with in this line because it was too long and now they're doing it in two parts and of course they never would do it as a, as a live action film so when that happened I mean that was that was before that was before like big comic book movie adaptations on the big screen really so, so now, that was yeah as, as we transition in the film itself Paul you are you are notable because we talked about this last time but for not really loving the story in the first place so um, and you wrote the review on ifanboy.com and it was surprisingly a very strong one why don't you tell us since you were just, just throw few. me under the bat tank. Well, no, no, because it's, um. it's interesting because we, we are the rest. I, mean, I assume Ryan likes it as well, but uh, uh, it's not my favorite Batman story. But it's a and that's a all Batman I ever have, have ever said. It just it's not my favorite. It's um and to and I guess to say it's not your favorite is kind of scandalous. You know, well, see, Paul, for, well, I don't think so. I I, I, I think this many is people a very like you more. And and this is a polarizing story. It's like, hey, if you look at it, and, and we'll get into it a little bit more. You know, Frank Miller's version of Batman is, I mean, the it's a really extreme version of that character. I mean, they it's very much fascist. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is that you know you you and Connor read this book when you were young enough that I imagine you didn't get the political undertones where. Oh, yes, you did. Absolutely, in, in, you in did. That, in that Are you age, kidding me? In that age, it was hard to miss Bernie Getz and, and the bomb and Reagan and that. Ronald shit. Reagan? It oh, was, my God. It was very much of the time. And I wonder if that's the reason why maybe people who are slightly younger than, than Chris and I don't love but, it as much because it was firmly yeah. rooted in the, in the, in the mid to late 80s. Absolutely. It, is, it, it, it does feel a little bit foreign to me some of the some of that material um but on a, on in terms of the craft it's 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 a really good book it's it's a very good book and i and i totally respect it and there are a lot of things i enjoy it which comes through um in this in this feature um in this adaptation and that comes through in in my uh, 4.5 star review um that's out of five not out of ten so i did really <laughs> like the story so there's stuff in there that i like um it's not necessarily 
what I look for in a Batman story. That's that's usually how I sell it to people. Is that I, I don't um, sell sell my philosophy on it, not sell the book. Um, it's not, it's not generally what I look for. I'm, it's it's interesting though because one of my favorite Batman stories is Year One, which is also Frank Miller. But mm-hmm. it's it's a very different kind of story and a different time and a different sensibility and aesthetic. And um, so I prefer that. I'm, I, I also like you know Arkham Asylum. So it's not that I don't like the darkness it's just um i don't know it, it doesn't quite click for me i and, always yeah, liked part that of it was an problem. ending because yeah. you don't you don't really get yeah. endings for these characters and i even as, even as a kid i appreciated the fact that this was the end of the myth and i always liked that part of it so I, for me i love the i love your one also it's probably, probably so dark knight strikes again I, well dark knight strikes uh, again i didn't let's not even talk about dark knight strikes again <laughs> I, know, I, just saying. I, I, I like it read it as a as as a comedy and a satire and you will enjoy it more um but you know back on year one and this i i look at them as bookends i don't yeah, i don't absolutely you know, i i love them both for very different reasons but i look at them as as bookends the and everything the end of, that, and, of the myth and yeah, yeah and that's to me the most to me the most important things in any myth is the beginning and the end, which is why I would I say don't... the beginning and and end. That's, and that's end, sort of how I. <laughs> yeah, that's I like that qualification. Well, it is the, we, we, it's the for, beginning. Me, for me, it's the end of Batman. Like you know, everyone, everyone makes their own continuity. For me, you know, this is the end. This is how the Batman story ends. You know, for me, I can I can also probably speak volumes in saying that part two is also is probably going to be the one that. Um, Test me the most as <laughs> as a reviewer because um, I'm a big Superman fan and that should you know sort of speak volumes to, right, to my let's, opinion. Let's talk about part two at the, at, yeah. at the end because we did – there yeah. is a featurette about part two in the, in the in the disc we can discuss. But let's actually yeah. get into the film itself before this, we go off the rails too far. So if, if you're one of the people out there who's never actually read The Dark Knight Returns or or seen this film yet, uh, there, will, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't read either – read the book or watched the movie, you might want to leave the room. If well, you, you already read, ruined it. If you haven't read them. Dark Knight before, you have bigger problems than worrying about this being – so in this, I, no, it's not. Yeah. No, I don't. People who are young may not have read it. People like people who have not read Watchmen. All right, oh. so uh, the movie opens with it's been ten years since since the city's last seen Batman, and in that time, the uh, the, the town is overrun by a criminal gang called the Mutants, and it's a it's a rough and grimy town, and uh, it is, we're in the middle of a heat wave when Bruce Wayne is having a bit of a end of year end of life crisis, and decides to don the cape and cowl once again to. To bring the city back from the brink of destruction, and that's only rough. after shaving his mustache. Right. Well, it's very important. I don't think anyone respects a Batman with a mustache. <laughs> so, I, don't know, I like that he more. has PTSD about shaving his mustache because Alfred has to tell him that he shaved his mustache. He's like, "What? And it's not." How there. is Alfred still alive? He's very that's, old. So yeah. the thing, the thing that struck me about the film, and and I'll be honest, it took me a, about half the movie to really get comfortable watching it, was that so much of the story in the book is internal. And it's it's all. I mean, that's where every every Batman story now is all about the internal monologue because of Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. It's all about the the internal monologue for all, for mo, for Batman for a lot of the characters. And in the movie, it's none of that. So you really have to divorce yourself from part of the story, which is whatever's happening to these characters internally what's, while the action's happening. So that to me was the hardest adjustment for me to make while watching the movie. Yep. Um, once I got past that, and it did take me about half a movie to get past it, I, I really didn't quite like it. And I think it probably is the strongest one they've done, but. Uh, it did take me a while to get over that because you, you're losing a lot of what the story's about by by 
but not hearing what Batman's thinking while all this is going on. I'm actually, I, I was really mad when I realized that I hadn't included that in the review. I was trying to, inc- you know, touch on everything in the written review, and then and then someone pointed that out in the comments, and it was, I was, I just, I wanted to turn in my badge because, like, it, it 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 didn't, I guess, and you know, part of it is me not saying anything about it says that I have sort of the opposite reaction is that I didn't miss it that much. Um, yeah, I kind of. In thinking about it, I know that it it definitely works, and especially in the comic um but then if i if i really think about it and mull it over i don't know how well it would translate No, it would have been tedious on film right mm-hmm. and i, I well, as a filmmaking decision i respect it it wouldn't have worked yeah. it just it's i mean it worked it worked in the marv story in sin city well i guess it worked in sin city in general i mean there was a lot of internal monologue overlaid yeah, but there's a lot of that in dark knight i mean it's just it's a lot of it and, right, yeah. that's what i'm saying i think it would have clogged uh, yeah. too much in the in the animated film cuz since they only have 7 I, minutes you know I think that's one of the one of the traps that we can fall in with, with this or Watchmen or got a, a movie made from your favorite novel is is that difference of of judging the movie on on its merits and then the inevitable comparison from the source material and and I know that you know probably for Connor um, as strongly as, as with me because this book is so important to our you know kind of like comic book bubble it's going to be impossible for me to ever watch this animated feature and not compare it to the source material which is going to be vastly superior no matter what ever happens and that's that's the hurdle that this has to get over so um, you know I was joking about people that that haven't read this um, you know needing to go read it I'd be really interested to hear what people that haven't read it but watch the movie what they're going to think. But what did you think? Did you like the movie, Chris? Uh, it was okay. Interesting. Really? Just okay. Uh, it's, I'm, it's kind got, of, I'm kind of with Connor that I think this is one of the best ones they've done. This might be my favorite. It's got, it's got some... I, as, a, as an animated feature, yeah, it's probably pretty good. Comparing it to the source material, it's got some major flaws to it. It, it it missed. I, I talked with my buddy Brian Salazar today, who probably loves this the source material more than any of us, you know, probably combined. And you know, he pointed out some uh, some stuff that really got me thinking about it. Some some of the the parts of the book that are are so important from a visual standpoint and from an emphasis standpoint that that the that the animation completely misses is once you go back and read it again and then watch it and you're like oh yeah that was one of my favorite parts of the book and and it completely misses the mark on it um give an example i because i have having not just recently read it i didn't catch any of those so i'm I'm legitimately (laughs) curious yeah um the the scene with uh where he has the mutant um uh dangling over the over the skyscraper is is doesn't have White the impact that it had in uh, on the page. Uh, another one is um, the scene where he's in the Batmobile, and the way that that is composed on the page is completely different than how it is on the screen. And the 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 revelation of what he's driving is is a is a big moment. Well. They're showing that kind of all throughout the you know the the build up of that scene, so it, it loses a lot of its impact. There's you know a few other a few other points that I mean you can't no matter how much you try in in a feature or or an animation you can't 
capture the same sense of uh, the page turn. And that's something that comics do uniquely to any other media. And I'm not saying that the movie's bad, because it's not. It's done very well. But I can't get out from under the umbrella of, uh, of judging it from the source material. And it's just, there are, there are oh shit moments and page turns that are so ingrained into how I know the story that they just can't get it on the, you know, the big or small screen. In my opinion, I, I understand it completely because in the beginning I I couldn't help but look at every scene and compare it, and then after a while I just sort of let it go to go to the wayside and began to enjoy it as a thing on its own. And I, under, I understand not being able to do that because it took me a while to get past that. So, yeah. you know, it's tough when you when it's when you're something you love so much. Oh, it's the same thing with the Watchmen movie. Yeah. It, it's I mean, there's there's just no way that that they're going to be able to capture that because I mean, this is when people talk about the greatest graphic novels or greatest comics of all time. This is always in the top three, always in the top. I mean, this is the top of the mountain, and so it's going to be unfair to to compare the the an animated feature so direct. Um, because it's just it's it's so far behind the the eight ball to begin with. Um, one of my other big complaints about it had nothing to do with the um, with the visual storytelling or the animation, but man, Peter Weller was just not good. Interesting. I quite liked him as 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 Batman Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> I uh, I I was I was with you in the beginning, uh, Chris, but then I I sort of warmed to him as it as it progressed, and um, it's you know it's not. He's definitely not the actor to play Batman in every Batman story, but for this one, I felt I felt he worked not not you know a hundred percent of the time, but more often than I'd actually thought. Seeing the trailers for, it, I was like, wow, he's really kind of stiff here, you know. In these, there's trailers. a reason and, he is he is most well known for, for for playing a robotic character. They could they could have had a speak and spell do the voice acting in this and it probably would not have been too far off that 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 probably ground on me and it sounds like i'm i'm totally um lambasting this it and does. i'm not it, it's, it is. i i <laughs> I, I, I didn't you're i didn't really mean it. you're a bull uh, i know i know <laughs> it's, it's, hey, man, you know it's it, it's a it's a it's a very high bar Whenever you say that, even to, to, to start by saying we're going to do an animated feature of one of the most beloved stories of all time in this medium, I mean, hey, you're setting the bar pretty high. And, and I think that they need to be to be uh, judged against the bar that they set. It was the same thing with me with All-Star Superman. It's like, hey, I think that's the greatest Superman story that I've – it's my favorite Superman story. And the animated feature, as much as they tried, they were never, ever going to capture on on screen what I feel is in that comic. And, well, and Essentially, you bring that, that particular book up because – I think in terms of scope, the, the the source material is similar, and I thought the adaptation was much more successful here simply because yes. they chose yeah. to break it up into two. I'll agree with that. They never. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are other components of that in like, like All-Star Superman. They really try to make it like episodic, like kind of an anthology kind of story because each issue of that, that, that saga is, you know, its own episode. And so that kind of made it a little bit difficult to turn into a feature and not like a mini series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's part of that. But, um, but yeah, I think that that's one of the big parts, you know, in my review is that this is two, you know, two movies to tell this pretty big story. Um, but it gives them so much room to breathe. 
Absolutely. The room you don't, you don't get any other impact. books, any other movies, really, because of the time frame. And I thought that was the yep. – if, if they had tried to squeeze this into one movie, it would have probably been a disaster. Like just yep. those, those silent exchanges between you know, Batman and, and uh, Robin and or, or the scene, like I mentioned in the review, the, uh, the black screen with just the, just the dialogue over it. Like that's, that just seems like you, they would never have time for that in uh, in other in, in their other adaptations they would just be like why isn't there anything going on on the screen right now like we need there to be action 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 we got we've only ha- we only have 70 minutes but here they they have enough time to to tell that story and it's a really moody story and um it doesn't quite get the atmosphere from i think you might have mentioned in your review or maybe i said it in my head to myself but it it was a bit of a sanding off of the edges of the story which yes. which is understandable because the as as Chris said in the beginning, it's a very fascistic story, and I think they had to sort of snow, you know, swastika areolas and things. Well, we, like we that. haven't had that. Oh, I book. can't wait to see how they handle that. Um, it's it's. <laughs> I was actually surprised by how much of the politics they kept in there. I was as well, but the there's some really sort of rough, you know, internal monologuing, and or even the dialogue for when Batman throws that guy through the window. The uh, the criminal uh, he doesn't say I, I think about your rights to, f- to fall asleep at night like stuff like that was taken out and I think that had to I mean they, it well, would have been really tough to did, go the the full what run. did you think watching this and and I kind of and this is another thing I was talking with Sal about um, with Carrie's parents as that surprise yeah. left all that in the hippy dippy parents and the you know free love and and man it's uh, Frank even back in the day. Man, he was uh, of the liberals. Hey, t- people talk about you know Frank and how he's gotten you know really persnickety and and a little crazy. You know what? Not that different than what he was in 1986. Although at I was gonna all. say maybe there's a maybe there's a reason he chose to write Batman as an old man because he already sounded like one in his own head. <laughs> well, the yeah. thing is, he, he certainly smacks the left side harder in this in the book. But I did notice as I got into the third chapter that. Uh, he does start smacking the right side as well. So I think, I think yeah. there's a fair amount of of angst at both sides, but he certainly has no love for for the '60s power uh, peace love generation. And I'll no, no, and I mean it didn't it didn't bother me as a caricature up until the point when Gordon takes down the robber at the convenience store, and the liberal parents are all like, "Oh man, that stupid cop shot a 17 year old kid." And I'm like, "Really? That wouldn't have been wow, a, that's, I mean, that's not a caricature though. That would happen right now in, in Los well, Angeles, but." I, I um, think I think it's really important. You know, you say that he that he smacks both the the left and the right side. I think it's very important in Frank Miller's world uh, to understand that that Batman stands outside yeah. of all of that. He's he is about the war. And, and there's even a line in the trailer yeah. for the second one where he says where he tells he tells Clark, we, "I'm a I'm a criminal. We've, we're all criminals. We've always been criminals." I mean, there's there's not you know there is a there is an acknowledgement of what they are outside. Superman of is not criminal, which uh, is which is the interesting. Superman's great. Listen, listen, you know, no argument for me. <laughs> which well, but it's interesting because like you know. The mayor of uh, of Gotham is not really portrayed as being conservative or being liberal. He's just portrayed as he's being a, a spineless. Yeah, they're all he's a spineless bureaucrat the who bureaucrats worries are all more about spineless. the cults. The people are either hippies or they're they're hardline conservatives who also he, he lambasts. I mean, he just sort of has he. Everyone gets nailed, kind of. It's like a shotgun blast to everyone. So why does Batman even want to save these stupid people? Because they're human humanity's worth saving. Does. Uh, what he but does. I was I was I was shocked they left in the joint passing even if it was in shadow. 
Um, I was I was shocked he left in the dialogue about being tripping while he was in Chicago. I mean, there was some really adult stuff, and they were talking in the featurette about how if this was a live action film, it probably would have been an R rated film, um, right. and especially more so in the second part. So it uh, it is surprising what they let let in. I thought, but I thought again as an animated feature, I thought it was really strong. I thought the cast was pretty strong. I loved David Selby as Commissioner Gordon. You lo- why? 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 <laughs> what do you mean why? I thought he was. A, I thought he I had didn't, a great tone I didn't, in his voice. So I want to know. He sounded like an old man, but without being old and feeble, he sounded like an old, old vital man. Um, he had a different. He had a different tonality to his voice than other Gordons, which I like. I always like different interpretations of the characters. He sounded seasoned. Um, I just miss Cranston. He's you can't. You're now you're the a, people who who miss who miss. Uh, Right. What's his name in every movie? You have to move Kevin on. Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. I didn't um, miss Kevin Conroy. I just, I, I really Cranston like Cranston is like the Jim Gordon for me now. Not even Gary Oldman. Cranston is the perfect Jim Gordon. But, um, yeah. but I like, I like this, especially in the scene with, with him and, uh, and, and Bruce together. Yeah. Um, yeah. like commiserating. Scotch. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a couple drinks after the war. Or before I also the liked war. him in the scene where he talked about the war with, with the new commissioner. <laughs> like, he, he, yeah. he did do a good job of sounding like an old man who was at the end, but not. I think my favorite scene in the movie was um, when he's taken down the punks at the docks. Mm-hmm. And like, moving around all quiet and bre- breaking through the boards and going up and down and changing levels and moving silently in shadow with the, with the one older cop and the one younger cop. You know, the younger cop not understanding and the older cop being just called him bats, which is totally flippant and carefree for how serious the story is. Although I don't know why they took out the welcome to hell line, which was always my, one of my favorite lines in the whole book. Yeah, that's um, true. And always one of the because scariest Peter, Because Peter Weller wouldn't have been able to motion to it. But they, but they left in the... Um, they left in these, men, in the these men are mine. <laughs> they left in the uh, this is an operating table and I'm the surgeon line, which, which I was a great I really line. like. Yeah. Um, I lo- I thought Ariel Winters Robin was was really good. I thought yeah, she was good. Yeah. yeah, Carrie was good. Oh, so okay. So speaking of Ariel Winters Robin, you guys want the girlfriend opinion? Okay. We usually wait we to the it. end so we can get into why you should break up with her. But go ahead. <laughs> well, I haven't broken up with her yet. There are no plans to. Um, she did not. She refused. She's at the point where she knows she's going to be mocked in these shows, so she <laughs> won't watch them with me anymore. Because <laughs> like, we, she was like, "Hey, you want to watch something tonight?" I was like, "Oh yeah, let's watch the new DC animated thing." She just said, "No, I'm we're not going. We're going to watch West Wing, and it's going to be great." Um, <laughs> so it's not a bad choice. <laughs> no, it's not. We've been watching West Wing, and it's it's. We, I figured I needed hope in politics during an election year. So, <laughs> anyway, separate subject. She hope came change, in. My friend, hope she came into my office while I was watching this. And it was during a scene where uh, the Robin and Batman were talking, and she said, "That Robin sounds like a girl." I was like, "Yeah, it is a girl." And she's like, "What are you watching?" And so that was she was confused by Why future Robin being could, female. She could watch it after the show is recorded now, and then she won't appear on the show. How about that? Well, that's fine. I don't think she has any interest, but she was just curious to a female Robin. So um, I thought they handled it really well, and I really enjoyed uh, the performance of the voice actress as well as the characterization of of uh carrie robin i thought it was smart to record alfred's dialogue before michael jackson died tragically um how how they the actor who played alfred is named michael jackson um who is the name of both a pop singer a voice actor and a famous beer uh reviewer common name michael jackson and, and and a uh NFL wide receiver, I believe. 
There and you go. the highlight is the man with the fewest amount of words. Oh, Michael Emerson. Michael Emerson's right. Joker. Which yeah. was a surprise. I didn't know he was. I, they they announced that he was, you know, going to be in part two. So I assumed that they had, you know, locked in part one, and we weren't going to hear the voice. Maybe see, you know, the Joker in the background. But uh, it's the best. It's the best scene in this movie, and it's the best scene they've done. It's so chilling to hear the Joker wake up after being asleep for so long. It's like it's like activating a sleeper agent. He hears yeah. the name Batman, and <laughs> it's just—it's so scary. Now, did any of you watch the feature on part two? Yes. Did you cower in fear when they sh- when they showed the scenes of him talking as the Joker? Because his Joker is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. I was just, and to hear, I was like, I wonder if he can pull off the laugh because there have been other actors who've played the Joker since Mark Hamill doing the voice in these animated features, and they cannot pull off the cackle. And Michael Emerson does something different, but it's like Mark Hamill who? It's, <laughs> it's so scary. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different kind of Joker. It's not the Cloud <clears throat> Prince of Crime. It is a very calm and calculating and, and homicidal Joker. It's not, the, it's not running around in a purple suit with Harley Quinn. It's a, a white-suited psychopath. And it's chilling. And I can't wait for part two because of that. Um, now... Well, interestingly enough, I thought it was really also a bold choice to keep the very the very stylistic mutant dialogue. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. Which is really, really tough in the book because it's it's a lot of it, and there's a lot of slang that you don't understand. I don't know. What, I still don't know what Billy means, but it seems to mean four or five <laughs> right. things. Like it means it's like forget about it. It means about five or six different things. But uh, I thought it was very smart and very bold to keep it and not explain it. Just just have you have a roll with it. Ryan might remember this, maybe not you two old guys, but uh, standardized tests where they give you different, like, made-up words, and then definite, like, a klept is a hammer, and a clifton is a ball or something like that, and then you have to remember it. Like, you take another section of the test, and you have to remember it later on. No? I I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what the school districts in Philadelphia are like, but it sounds (laughs) like like national. It was the cat tests. Somebody told you. Anyway, (laughs) sounds like you were just being taught fake words. But you're a good writer now. Padded walls. They lead us in and they make us give them our shoelaces, and and then we have to take the test with a crayon. (laughs) Right. Everybody does it. Uh, Please bring out your safety pencil and a circle of paper. (laughs) The circle of paper, right? I'm sorry. Continue. Um, so, Paul, do you own a white suit by any chance? Uh, so, <laughs> I thought, I mean, overall, I thought it was really impressive. And I know, Chris, you had trouble with it, and I completely understand. But I thought once I got past that that initial problem I had, I, I was really, I really got into it. I thought on the surface, there's a good story here. If, even if it weren't able to delve so much into the old man trying to recapture his youth and save the city aspect of it that lives, that lives on in his head in the book, I still thought uh, that it was a very compelling story. I thought the. I have a question. Yep. What did you guys think of the animation style? Because it was not. I was going to bring that up because. Because we've talked, we we often comment, you know, in the uh, world, in the public enemies, they really tried to capture Ed McGuinness or, you know, they tried to capture Matt Kelly in the year one or Darwin Cook in New year Frontier. And it didn't feel like they really, they, they tried to capture the proportions of Frank Miller's drawings. So, you know, Batman is uh, essentially the Hulk and Carrie big, is a stick. Big dude. Right. He's a brute. But they didn't, I mean, that, that's it, pretty it, much it. It's, 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 it's in the character designs, and it's not necessarily in the atmosphere or the movement of, right. of the 
characters. Uh, I also felt like the characters were usually in animated animation. The characters are simplified relative to the art style, but in this, I felt like they were actually more detailed than the Frank Miller uh, drawings. I think I think that's there. I think there's a great level of, of expression, and I would say especially for for uh, Carrie, like there are just there, there's expressions that she gives, and I don't I don't and I kind of agree with you. I don't know if if Frank Miller ever took her there and it maybe it was part of it was because the glasses were kind of a shorthand yeah you know? yeah mm-hmm. yeah like a way, I guess a way I to just, her face but i've been playing there's... arkham city whenever i have a few minutes <laughs> you can play arkham city as dark knight returns batman and as right. you one batman yeah um i've been playing as batman beyond mostly because it's just better um objectively <laughs> but you're weird <laughs> No, it's so much more fun as as. No, he's he's young. They have the that's blue one, still, right? That's his Batman. It's still the, they have Bruce the blue Wayne. one. Batman's supposed to be blue. It's well, you can play as 1970s Batman, Paul. Right, blue and gray. That's that's what I like. No, I haven't even black. tried that one yet. I've done <laughs> Sinestro Core, Dark Knight. Re- you can play Sinestro Core Batman, Dark Knight Returns, right. and and. All right, Batman get to your point. It's the point. <laughs> <laughs> the point is the, the Dark Knight Returns in Arkham City. It's it's like such an over render, hyper detailed version of the Frank Miller character, and it seemed like this movie fell somewhere in between, where it was more detailed than the line drawings of the actual comic. And I just was curious. He has, he has more dimension. I was um, curious if Connor and Chris, who haven't responded yet to the question, liked the animation style. That's uh, that. It's interesting. Uh, over at uh, eleven o'clock, the other podcast uh, I do, one of our uh, forum members works uh, DC animation, and uh, uh, his name is William Dunn, and he's in the in the production. He and he gave us some pretty uh, interesting insight into their animation uh, process. And part of the thing is that once you start looking at, at Dark Knight Returns, um, the, the art is art is not even all the way and in an animation style it needs to be even throughout it needs to be rendered in the same way and comics are different because you can leave kind of blind spots there and you can be a little bit more gestural with stuff and uh, and kind of with that in mind and watching this i think they did as good with the animation style as you would ever um be willing to you know to accept so yeah i thought from an animation style and from the coloring which is a big deal in this book I mean, lynn varley's colors are so important to this to this mini series that uh yeah i had no problem with the with the art or the or the coloring of it yeah i thought it looked good i thought i think certain people's art styles lend themselves to animation i think mcginnis's mm-hmm. style does and but you know, as we've seen, you know, they didn't do Dan Jurgens' style in the first film, and because it just wouldn't work. And I just I think there's what makes Frank Miller's art, at least at that point in time, inked by Klaus Janson, which was a big part of it, um, work so well wouldn't probably have worked on the screen. So I think I think it's I think it's good enough that they took the character designs, kept those pretty spot on, and then and then did as best they could, melding it sort of with the house style. Yep. And going for it, I thought I thought it looked it looked like the Dark Knight Returns, you know, at least character wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, character wise, I think that that's where it really shines, and 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 I grew to to, to like it more as it as it went. It um, in the beginning, I was a little uh, iffy on it because it's it's not as you can never get as grungy as 
you know what's going on in the in the comic and there's something to the what what Chris was talking about to the consistency of the characters and the designs um that are demanded of of animation um you can't it it, it there's kind of like a sterility to it like everything's just it looks cleaner because all the sharp lines and everything and, and flat yeah. colors and you and you know Frank Miller could do a little bit more in terms of texture and um like rumpled lines and stuff that you sort of it, I mean you would take many 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 more hours to accomplish in animation and you know I'm sure these are done under like a crazy deadline so um for you know the parameters that they have I think it I think it's really strong and and um you could you would be unreasonable to to ask for a whole lot more than that well, it, re- it reminded me a lot of the animation from the Boondocks cartoon show. Okay. Where it's kind of that, it's a really nice middle ground, at least in my opinion, and I'm sure I'll get chewed out in the comments, but it's a nice middle ground between Western and Eastern where it had like some of the anime sensibilities with yeah. more some some Western sensibilities as well. And, and I actually thought it was a really nice middle ground and I, I really enjoyed the animation style. And you get your moment where he's silhouetted against, you know, the lightning. And I about I did not like that. I thought that was <laughs> I was I'm like, not surprised. Really? I was that was just like uh, too yeah. little, too late. Um, too much. It, yeah, it was like too much too soon. Nah, uh, I, I I was just like, yeah, okay, yep. There's the image. Okay, let's now let's move on. It's it, it was. Well, that's what you were asking for earlier—that you wanted more of those moments. Yeah, but, but it, was, it was it wasn't it wasn't animated. It was like a a freeze frame, and you know, so it's like, no, it's not a comic book. Don't try and make it a comic book. If you're going to animate it, animate it. Don't don't throw up the 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 Sin City movie silhouetted, you know, white shadow thing. It, it's yeah. That was a very minor nitpick, but I was just like, you know, if it's going to be an animated movie, make it an animated movie. Don't make it a motion comic. Does that make sense? I kind of I know what you're talking about, Chris, because when you're watching a movie waiting for a moment to happen, so like yeah. Brokeback Mountain, you know. <laughs> which, which, which moment are we talking wow. about? Wow. All right. <laughs> the moment, right? You're waiting for it. The whole, like the whole first, you know, fourth of the movie, you're just like, okay, okay sure. when is it going to happen? And that's and that seems okay, like none of this is making your, it into the show. But go ahead. <laughs> it, no, it's just it seems like that's Chris's Batman Lightning moment. Is he's just if you're if you're anticipating a moment and waiting to see whether or not it holds up to your expectations. It's a I, distraction. I, odds, it's a, you're distracted from the movie as it's happening. I wasn't waiting annoyed. for it. It was just there, and it's just it went from being a, a fluid animation to a motion comic for about two seconds, and I was just I like, see, yeah. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just it stuck with me. One thing, one thing I really enjoyed also was the score. Um, oh yeah, it was which, good. Yes, which yeah. I think stuck with the idea that this was a movie. They kept Frank Miller's crazy character designs. The guy at the Mohawk hosting a TV show, which never would ha- never would happen. But uh, it was very there was there was a lot of moments where it was very synthesized, like it would be in the eighties, yeah. keeping that sort of feeling. But also, I thought there was a nice sort of helping of the latest films, the Dark Knight uh, trilogy's uh, sort of style of music, and I thought. I agree. It really fit. This story sort of really fits into that world. Uh, for me, at least, I thought it seems, it seems very appropriate, and I thought the music really sort of, sort of, uh, you know, helped that feeling along. This is also a reminder of like how much you know the Nolan trilogy has to thank 
you know. Oh, there's a yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah. like the like we talked about earlier, the the older cop with the rookie. Yep. You know, that's in the the chase scene in uh, in Dark Knight Rises, and um, the, the you know the ten year gap um, yeah. between appearances and, and stuff like that. So there's. There's there's a there's a lot going on there, and uh, it's, and, it's uh, interesting. And the arm to brace of... versus leg brace. Hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's a very prominent scene in the in the animated movie where he's like putting on an arm brace after a fight with the mutant because his shoulder got messed up. And there's the whole leg brace scene in Dark Knight Rises, which actually doesn't really connect to the rest of the movie at all. He just kicks through a brick, and you're like, okay, I guess Batman's back. Listen, that movie had so many problems we're not even get into it. But whoa. whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> Superman's great, and so is that movie. So, Chris, uh, does that mean yes, you sir. you are looking forward to the second part less than you were to this first part, or how do you Ooh, feel? Interesting. You know, yeah, and and I, I had my I had my kind of harsh criticism hat on. I like the movie fine. I'll watch it again, and and I think it was ultimately a success. But like the Watchmen movie, it's. <sighs> you just aren't going to be able to hit the high notes as high as the original source material. So, of course, I'm looking forward to the second movie, and I I like this. I just, I, it's, whenever you have a comic that's probably, in my opinion, a 10 on, on a scale of 1 to 10 for a lot of different reasons, and you have an animated feature that's a good, strong 6.5 for a 7, um, you know, that's... Yeah, it's more it's more about the source material than and me not being able to let go of than than anything else. So no, I'm of course I'm looking forward to the second. So one. So the second one, according to the feature that we got in the, in the special features section of this disc, there's they showed uh, briefly the one armed Green Arrow. They showed Catwoman in a Wonder Woman costume. Uh, they showed Superman. They, we heard the president. We didn't see the president. My guess is he won't look like Reagan, though he did sound like a person doing a Reagan impression. Um, just just enough like not just enough not to make it like a Saturday Night over, Live thing right. it, was, it was enough to recall Reagan but not a guy robbing a bank right. you know oh um, it, it looked it, it looks like it's going to be the rough one I mean this was you know the sort of dramatic action adventure of Batman vs. the Mutants but next one is going to looks like it's going to get really sort of psychological and deep and and uh, I'm really looking forward to it I think I think they're 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 pulling it off as best they can and it's really, I think, a treat for a lot of people. Anyone oh, who who misses and is dearly clutching onto Mark Hamill's performance of the Joker, and that was great. And I don't want to say I, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't being genuine when I said, you know, Mark Hamill. Who? Well, and but, for people who don't but, know, he's retired, right? He's done. Right. Yeah, he's done. He's, yeah, he's he done. finished he's after done. the Arkham City game, right? That was his last yeah. thing. And, uh, and then they they like, I think today was his birthday, by the way. Interesting. There you go. Happy birthday, Mark Hamill. Um, I mean, this, this uh, he one. is on this disc. He's he's in the uh, Bob Kane documentary. But but what but I was going to say is watch that. Even if you if you weren't swayed by uh, Michael Emerson's performance in the final moments, and it's just like a this small bit of of his voice. Um, and I didn't recognize him actually. I thought he transformed his voice a little bit. Um, but but anyways, if you watch that that special feature, um, the the sneak preview for for part two. Um, just just looking at Michael Emerson talking about the Joker, he's he's wearing he's wearing some especially creepy glasses and he's terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I, I believe his line is like, uh, I guess they asked him, you know, how, is it hard to to find like to to 
go into yourself and find this terrifying character, this twisted, you know, part of yourself. And and he, I think he said he you find it more difficult to not be twisted. Yeah, he's harder to play people who are characters that aren't scary and twisted. So I right. I think we're in for I think the second one we're in for maybe an even better time, uh, just because of all the stuff that's going on. You've got the Superman dynamic, you've got the Joker dynamic, you've got the the government coming after Batman, you've got the sort of end of the story, and I think that was. I think that is uh, where it really sort of hits home. So it'll be interesting. It's gonna you're gonna end up with a basically, you know, a two hour well, a feature length move, you know, animated film here, uh, which I think was more than any of us could have asked for when this was first announced. I'm pretty happy with it. So uh, that comes out in the beginning of 2013, the winter. So that I guess is usually January, February, usually around February, isn't it? February, yeah. I don't uh, then, then we, I guess we continue on. They're doing pretty well. This one apparently is doing. Is mm-hmm. Early reports say this one's doing pretty well out there. So, good uh, in sales land. So we'll see how it goes, and we will be back for the second part. Assuming Chris isn't too angry about it. I'm not angry. It was fine. <laughs> it was good. I'm. I'm it was fine. And assuming it just, it it just s- makes me sad that it's the only time we guys t- we talk. Assuming we should pick a back. different well, animated thing. What else it. is worth talking about? <laughs> the Boondocks cartoon. All right. Well, let's base, say we base, have, base, baseball playoffs are coming up. We haven't dropped Ryan from the brain trust. And assuming we uh, the, the uh, biggest brain you've got, Batman Connor. animated series fans haven't found Paul and strung him up. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back for the second part. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but until then, you go to fanboy.com and you can talk about the film there. Paul wrote a great review about it, which will be linked to in the show notes for this film. Uh, this Thank show, you. you can go and. Talk about the film underneath this podcast, and it'll be lots of fun. It was a interesting, interesting film, if nothing else. So, uh, Connor, I was the one who wrote the original San Diego announcement of the movie. I know you did. I know you did. I, I looked for that when the trailer came out and found your original story, uh, which is funny because when you're in San Diego, you don't actually hear the news. You will hear it at night when you go back and check your computer. Yep. Correct. So uh, until then, I am Connor. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm Paul. It was fine. It was fine. I'm Ryan. I liked it. Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still. Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. 